Hello, everyone, and welcome to yet another edition of the Monday Check-In. My name is Damon Jensen-Heitman. I'm one of the pastors at First Presbyterian Church, Hastings, Nebraska, joined by... Greg Allen Pickett, the other pastor at First Presbyterian Church in Hastings, Nebraska. And it's Monday. It is Monday, and therefore it's the Monday Check-In. Yeah, well, it's all really coming together, isn't it? Which, yeah. It kind of is, isn't it? Wow. Wow, that's great. We'll count that as a win. Yeah. Can we take Uh, the rest of the day off then? (laughs) Yeah, sounds good. Okay. (laughs) Until Um, we read Job and realize the importance of keeping good practices, and then we'll realize that we need to stick at it. But we'll we'll get into that here shortly. Yes, we will get into that shortly, because what we do in the Monday check-in is uh, we take a little bit of time, and we preview some of the scripture that we are going to use for the upcoming Sunday worship service. We chat a little bit about some of the themes, um, ideas, questions maybe that we see or that are arising out of that scripture passage. And then after that, we switch gears and we talk a little bit about the life of the church. So, um, but we start with prayer and I forget whose turn it is. Um, I can go. Okay. All right. Let's pray. Gracious and loving God, we we thank you for the way that you speak to us, the many, many ways that you speak to us through the wisdom of other folks, through the beauty of nature, and also through your holy word. As we study your holy word uh, this week, we we thank you for the ways that it challenges us. Uh, And as we study the story of Job, we, we wrestle with a challenging story. And so we ask you, Lord, to be with us in the midst of the wrestling. Uh, touch our minds and our hearts so that we can hear what it is that you're saying to us today through, through this story in the Old Testament and how it might apply to our call to live a good life in the here and now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So uh, as you, what's the word that's like a two degrees more than alluding, but is not outright state stating. The foreshadowing? Oh, maybe that's what it is. As you, eh, I don't know. Foreshadowed yeah. seems even more like of an obfuscation than alluding. How about implied? As I implied in my prayer, as I... Yeah. And, and do you that, have... as I suggested in my prayer, as mm-hmm. I... I think foreshadowing works as I foreshadowed in my prayer. Yeah. Well, and I was thinking about earlier when you talked about uh, reading Job. Yeah. We're going to read Job this week. <laughs> I'm guessing the folks knew that by this point. In church. Well, maybe they did. Who knows? Maybe they'll tell us in the comment section whether they knew it by that point or not. Spoiler alert. We're reading Job this week. Um, and we are continuing this series um, on the Good Sermon series on the good life and taking a look at some of the wisdom literature found in the Bible. And Job falls into the wisdom literature category, uh, was in the scriptural canon. And we have some selected verses from Job uh, close to the beginning of, of the book. So folks are probably familiar with Job, at least in broad strokes. 
um, and the story of Job. And so, but maybe we'll get into that in a little bit more after we read this passage. So uh, what we have here is Job chapter one, verse one, because it's always good to start at the very beginning. And it's a very good uh, place to start. Yeah. And then it's one of my favorite things. And then uh, we jump ahead to chapter two, verses one through 10. <clears throat> uh, and I read something like this. There once was a man in the land of Uz. Did you say Uz or Uz? Uz. Uz. Spelled U-Z for those of you at home. Yeah. And uh, I'm going with Uz. Uz, 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 whose name was Job. That man was a blameless, that man was blameless and upright, the one who feared God and turned away from evil. One day the heavenly beings came to present themselves before the Lord. And Satan also came among them to present himself before the Lord. The Lord said to Satan, where have you come from? Satan answered the Lord, from going to and fro on the earth and from walking up and down on it. The Lord said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job? There is no one like him on the earth, a blameless and upright man who fears God and turns away from evil. He still persists in his integrity although you incited me against him to destroy him for no reason. Then Satan answered the Lord, Skin for skin, all that people have they will give to save their lives. But stretch out your hand now and touch his bone and his flesh, and he will curse you to your face. The Lord said to Satan, Very well, he is in your power, only spare his life. So Satan went out from the presence of the Lord and inflicted loathsome sores on Job, from the sole of his foot to the crown of his head, Job took a potsherd with which to scrape himself and sat among the ashes. Then his wife said to him, do you still persist in your integrity? Curse God and die. But he said to her, you speak as any foolish woman would speak. Shall we receive the good at the hand of God and not receive the bad? And all this Job did not sin with his lips. Okay, Greg, what do you got? I don't know, Damon. What do you got? I got nothing. <laughs> so no, this is a, like um like mid uh, testing of Job, right? Well, it's the first set of tests of Job, isn't it? It seems like something has happened to him already. We could go back and read chapter one quickly. Doesn't like like all of his land gets destroyed or something? Or yeah, that's maybe the first thing. Yeah, so. What we know about Job is that he leads this disciplined life. He runs a successful business. He's got a large, healthy family, and he faithfully follows God. That's that's what we should know about Job. Um, and as it says in chapter 1, verse 1, he was blameless and upright, feared God, turned away from evil. And then we have um, a series of calamities that befall Job uh, throughout the entire book of Job, where Satan is testing him, tempting him, trying to get him to turn against God, right? Um, and I think that the first thing that I'd like to say about this um, is I, I don't think this is an actual historical account of the life of one particular human being that lived on earth per se, who faces total destruction and keeps his faith anyway. 
but instead I really think that this is um, it's a it's a it's a mythical story it's a, it's a it's a fable right meant to teach a lesson mm-hmm. yeah and some of the language of it gives that away right yeah um, I mean Greg how does a fairy tale start once upon a time how does this story start there once was a man in the land of Uz. Once upon a time, right? right. Um, all right, I think about um, even chapter two, verse one. Uh, one day the heavenly beings came to present themselves before the Lord. That's how, that's how you start a children's story, mm-hmm. right? One day all the woodland creatures got together to talk amongst themselves and decide who was best. <laughs> that's, um, that's how those stories start. And uh, I had a professor in college he talked about cap- capital T truth and the, the story is not true in the way that we think or in the way that we hope that um, my history book is true like in, in, a, in a factual depiction of events right um, but it, it is still capital T truth that contains truth within it, right? And that it, it reveals to us something about the nature of human beings. Um, and the nature of God. Right. Yep. Um, and so while it may not it may not be true in the same way that we want a, a newspaper to be true, right? It is still it still contains within it capital T truth. Um, which I would argue is also true of uh, a good number of children's stories as well. That there's a, there's a reason that we read and tell children stories as a way of teaching them things, right? Yeah, in fact, I think a few weeks ago you referenced Aesop's fables um, <laughs> when you were talking about the Proverbs. And it's the, the same notion that these are stories that are there to teach us a lesson, to help us understand something about human nature or God's nature or something like that. And, and that's what we encounter here as well in this story of Job. Um mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, and I liked how you mentioned your professor put that, like, certain books of the Old Testament are not meant to be read as history textbooks. Um, they're still part of the biblical canon. They still teach us truth. But whether or not a fellow by the name of Job actually existed is less uh, an important detail as to what are the lessons we're supposed to be learning from this story um, about humanity about how we're supposed to live as faithful people that sort of thing and i'm and i'm thinking because i kind of know the the working title of your sermon at least um that you think that there are things in the story that we're supposed to learn and it seems like one of those things that is not necessarily revealed in the verses that we read right because because I think that one of the things you're going to try to get at is the, what were the foundation, like what are the foundation pieces within Job's life, right? That help him to be able to endure this hardship. And we, we get a description of the hardship. <laughs> we don't get a description right here of the, of those kind of those foundation pieces. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and and I think sort of, so we've been doing the sermon series on the good life, and we've been talking uh, about living the good life, and we've been talking about different ways, and so we started the first week talking about wisdom and the wisdom literature and how that teaches us 
to be wise. And that's one way for us to live the good life. And then, and then the next week, um, we looked at both Mark and James. So the gospel of Mark and where Jesus tells us that to live the good life, we need to practice welcome or hospitality, particularly to the vulnerable. Jesus uses children as an example. And then the book of James, that uh, the good life is wisdom born of gentleness and peaceableness and um, willingness to yield and that sort of thing. And then this last week, we looked at uh, the book of Esther and learned that one of the ways to successfully live the good life is to, to have a purpose, right? To find a purpose, have a cause that we believe in. Um, and we know what our cause is, which is Christ. And, uh, and so that purpose or that cause can help us effectively live the good life. And so now we're getting here to, uh, to Job. And the question is sort of what lessons are we living about learning about living the good life from Job? And, and I think what we're talking about here is, is, is good practices. It's, it's maintaining integrity in the face of challenges. And I think that that's a big part of what the, what we're supposed to learn from the story of Job, that, that Job maintains his faith and his integrity in the face of challenges. And perhaps it's his faith and his integrity that helps get him through those challenges um, as he is being consistently and persistently uh, harassed by Satan. <laughs> uh, Job sticks with it. He sticks with his integrity. Um, he sticks with his, his faithfulness to God and that, that helps him get through it. Is that what, I think so. Is that what is, is being implied here by integrity in, in chapter two, verse three, he still persists on his integrity, that integrity has to do with this, uh, his faithfulness to God. I mean, I think so because in one, one it's uh, the Job was blameless and upright, feared God and turned away from evil. So we get a sense of what sort of what kind of integrity we're, we're talking about here, I think. Um, yeah. And then his wife asked him the same question, do you still persist in your integrity? So that's the question. And the answer is stop, curse God instead. So I think the integrity is, is about faithfulness. It's about commitment to God, even in the face of challenges. Um, I don't know. What do you think? I, I don't know. <laughs> um, it's, uh, it's interesting to me that, so the, so Job's wife, and then I think later on he has some friends come by and and visit him and, and feel sorry for him, and and they their presumption is you must have done something wrong to have brought this uh, punishment upon you. Um, but I think that's the friends, right? Mm-hmm. She here is just kind of saying. Um, I don't know what that was. <laughs> um, she, she just, just, uh, just curse God, right? Uh, abandon God, and then um, if you curse God, then, then just die. Uh, that would be better than to continue to live through this suffering, right? right? Yeah. Um, so they there's a call from her to kind of, I guess, uh, abandon this way of living, right? Uh, his friends later on will say, I, you must not actually be as good as you think that you are. <laughs> um, and he has to I kind of persist in this, like, no, I, I haven't, 
done anything wrong. I'm not going to curse God. I'm not going to um, do that sort of thing. This, uh, this word integrity is interesting to me because it seems to me that you could, um, we're assuming here that integrity means that Job is sticking to it and being consistent and persevering in uh, living like a, a, a goodly principled life, right? And, and, a, and a, what might call a right life, right? A, a good way of living, right? Um, that, that those are his principles, right? And integrity means sticking to your principles. And, but your principles could be other things, right? Your, like your principle could be, I'm, I'm in this for me. <laughs> and, and you could be, you could have integrity in saying, ah, I'm going to go and get mine wherever I can and not worry about anybody else. And you could live in, <laughs> you live in integrity, but serve the wrong principles, if that makes sense. I think what you're doing is playing with the word integrity here, Damon, right? Yeah, and integrity that's what I do. Meanings. Welcome to my brain, Greg. <laughs> <laughs> so one of the meanings of integrity is consistency, right? That you're consistent throughout. So if you're always in it for you, you're always in it for you. And you, you have, yeah. you're, you're staying integral. You're staying consistent to that idea. But um, I think in the English language, integrity has a second meaning, which is um more about being moral and upright and in this case faithful which is i think what they're getting at here in the story of job yeah i don't know where's dan deffenbaugh um should we dial him in <laughs> we should have we should have prepared for this um yeah no yeah this is i mean so uh, Job has a successful business, you mentioned. He does. Right. Is his business uh, uh, some sort of a pot shirt manufacturing company? I don't think so. What is a pot shirt? Am it's I even pronouncing shard, it correctly? It's a shard of a, a pot. So think of clay pot once it's broken. You've got shards and they've got sharp edges. So, but it's spelled S-H-E-R-D, like a herd. Right. Right, but that's it's a pot shirt. It's it's a not shard. Of, right, but it's a part of a broken pot, man. It should be pot shard. I feel like Damon, you are trying <laughs> to avoid having to have the hard conversation about the theology in Job, and so you're you've got these 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 rabbit trails or like these squirrels squirrels uh, like <laughs> integrity or pot shirt. But but let's uh, let's let's you know let's dig into the uh, the meat of this it's 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 a tough book to read and i think that some bad theology has has come out of this book um out of a misreading of this book um and so i, I think we got to wrestle with that a little bit or we could talk about potsherds and the definition of the word integrity sam it's interesting <laughs> <laughs> so you do you i mean you feel this is i think one of those places one of the books of the bible that gives rise to um theology or maybe even just colloquialisms right that are really not all that helpful ultimately um one of those perhaps being this sort of um conventional or common wisdom that uh 
God won't give you more than you can handle. Yeah. And I think um, the, the majority of the biblical witness doesn't say that precisely. Instead, it says that God is going to be with you in the midst of the challenges. Um, not that God wants or causes you to suffer, but in the midst of the suffering of this world that you're going to face, God promises to accompany you in that. And that's, that's an important distinction um, because we proclaim a God who is love. Um, and, and so a God who loves God's children is not going to want God's children to suffer and not bring about their suffering in that way. But instead, God promises to accompany us through the midst of that suffering. And God accompanies Job through the midst of that suffering as well. Right. And because in a, in a, to a large degree, I think most scholars see this book as a reflection or as a pondering on the, the question of theodicy, right? What we call theodicy, which is um, essentially the question of why does suffering exist, right? right. The, the theodicy, the justification of God, right? And these three ideas that we hold in tension, right? God is all powerful. God is love and suffering exists in the world. And it, these three ideas are intention because mm -hmm. if God is all powerful and God is love, why would God let suffering exist in the world? Um, and so, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a question of which thousands of gallons of ink have been spilled <laughs> in writing and thousands of bytes of data uh, in this modern digital age have been spilled or used in writing about. Um, and it's, it's, a, it's a very difficult question as people of faith and, and one that I think I certainly still wrestle with. Uh, I don't know about you, Damon. I'm... Yeah, it just, it happens. Yeah. I don't know. Um, and in the midst of it happening, then I am thankful to have... Uh, people of faith around me that I can lean on for support. I'm thankful to have, you know, these sort of foundational prayers, foundational hymns, um, foundational scripture passages that can sort of, um, I suppose, help, help kind of help your boat kind of navigate the, the rocky waters, right? Um, yeah, it happens, and I, I don't, um, I don't attribute it to God. I don't um, attribute it to any sort of moral failing of of an individual. Um, it just happens. Yeah, and sometimes my, you get a potsherd. One of my one of my favorite Mister Rogers quotes when he's talking to children about who are watching suffering, for example, the 9-11 attacks, Mr. Rogers always says, look for the helpers. That's where you will see God in the midst of this suffering. Look for the helpers. Um, and God is at work through the hands and feet of those who are coming alongside those who are suffering. Um, and God is present there in the midst, providing comfort and peace and healing to those who are suffering, those who are suffering. Um, and I think that that's just an important distinction to make. And even this, uh, this final verse, chapter two, verse 10, when Job is, is rebuking his wife's suggestion that she, that he just cursed God, he says, 
Shall we receive the good at the hand of God and not receive the bad? Um, and even in the midst of that one little phrase, Job is leaving out not receive the bad at the hand of God, because I don't think Job is saying that God is causing the bad. We receive good at the hand of God, and we receive bad in the world because the world has bad in it. Uh, and do we reject God simply because there's bad in the world? And that's that's Job's point to his wife. Like, I'm not about to reject God simply because I'm suffering, because suffering exists in the world. Uh, but instead, I will I will continue to be faithful to God, and I will look for God's help and support in the midst of the bad in the world. And that's, uh, yeah, an important distinction. But it's, it's, it's easy to take Job and interpret it in ways that I think are are not helpful and frankly are, are not consistent with what we know of God throughout the scriptural witness if we read the narrative arc of the Bible and and see that God is love, right? Yeah. It's interesting also because if if you go if you take the flip side of the coin, th- that is also kind of a problem, right? That um the this, this verse 10, the way that you're talking about verse 10 to me seems almost like a statement of humility, right? That I'm not responsible for any of this. I'm not responsible for the good stuff that comes my way. I'm not responsible for the bad stuff that comes my way. I, I'm not in control of any of it, right? And if you lean too far into the, uh, you know, live a, live a blessed life and God will bless you, sort of theology, then that also creates a problem, right? Um, because, um, I don't know, maybe you can say, maybe you can explain what I mean more. <laughs> no, I, um, yeah, sort of that line of live a blessed life and God will bless you. I, I, I struggle with that because I, there's a lot of people I know and love who do live really meaningful lives of service to others and they still experience suffering in the midst of that. And so, um, yeah, I think about, I think about folks um, who are fortunate enough to uh, give birth to a healthy, happy baby. Right. Uh, And, and what did they do to deserve that blessing that somebody else didn't do, right? Someone who suffered through a miscarriage, for example, right? So I think I I try and I don't really associate either too much really the, the blessings that come to our lives or the moments of sorrow that come into our lives as having come from God that, um, just it seems to me that these things happen. Sometimes we catch a break. Sometimes we don't. Uh, and in the midst of all of those things, God is with us and, and God calls us to be with others, right? To, to laugh with those who laugh and to weep with those who weep. Um, because at any moment, that'll be us as well. Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. It's challenging for sure. Um, and I think something that we are called to wrestle with as people of faith and um, probably can't resolve it here in the 30 minutes of our uh, Monday check-in, probably can't resolve it over the course of a lifetime, but uh, we'll continue to wrestle with it and and stay engaged with it and 
and talk with others about it and hear their perspective. Um, I remember I served as a hospital chaplain as part of my training to become a pastor. And um, rarely did I get questions like these from families, uh, from either the patients or their families. Normally they just wanted a word of comfort. But I did occasionally get questions like these from uh, nurses and doctors in the hospital. Um, and they would wrestle with uh, why bad things happen to good people. They'll have patients in the hospital and particularly in the pediatric wards. Um, these children are innocent. They're not, they've done nothing wrong to bring whatever it is, childhood cancer or anything else upon them. Um, and the nurses who are dealing with that day in and day out raise these questions. Um, and they're good questions to raise. They're important questions and they're important questions to wrestle with. And in wrestling with them, hopefully what we do is grow in our faith and grow in our understanding and love of God and, and the realization that God has surrounded us with a community um, to walk with us through these challenging times. Uh, but it's, it's tough. It's tough stuff because really terrible things happen in this world. And it's, it's difficult to sometimes reconcile those with our knowledge of this God who, uh, who is love. And so, um, so we sit in that and, and we wrestle with it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. This sermon to me, feels like it could be like a, like a, kind of a warm blanket kind of a sermon. Yeah. The joke text doesn't lean us into that very far. So it's, it's like, here's the joke text and let's pivot away from that and talk more more about this. Yeah. It's, uh, it's interesting. I, I had a different idea for the direction the sermon was going, but, um, I read this Job text back in August when I was, uh, putting together the sermon series and reading it again this morning. It, it's, it's reading differently to me today for some reason. So, uh, we'll see how it ends up by Sunday or we'll call Dan, we'll call in the pinch hitter and ask him to wrestle with him for us. <laughs> He is going to teach a class on this. Uh, let's let's we'll close the discussion about uh, the scripture and move into our um, announcements. Yeah. And so the first announcement before is, before you do that, I was just okay. going to say, um, um, though though we perhaps were unable to solve the question of theodicy uh, in this conversation, I'm looking forward to you doing it in 20 minutes or less on Sunday morning. Thanks, Damon. <laughs> And when I turn to you and invite you up to the pulpit to answer a few questions, we'll see how that turns out. I'll step up there. Uh, yeah. All right. So uh, moving into announcements now that Damon has challenged me. Uh, <laughs> um, Dr. Dan Deffenbaugh, who used to be a religion professor at Hastings College and, and now uh, works at CCC, is our church's scholar in residence. He is teaching a... Uh, adult ed forum that is paralleling our sermon series through the wisdom literature. And so Dan will actually be talking a little bit about the history and um, uh, work a little bit on the, the book of Job. So that is something that we invite you to join us for on Sunday at 9.15. You can either do that in person or do it on Zoom. Speaking of in person, Damon, were you going to move that class to Hastings College or were you going to keep it here at the church? I think we're just going to keep it here at the church uh just that seems to make life a little bit simpler i okay. suppose so okay so anyways, the reason we, that that's a question is because yes uh the reason that's a question is because uh worship next sunday october 3rd is world communion sunday 
And if the weather cooperates, we are going to hold one worship service outdoors at the Hastings College campus at 1030. So there will be no 830 a.m. service in the park. There will just be one worship service at 1030 at Hastings College um, at Steinhardt Plaza, which is that area um, at Ninth and Elm with all the international flags and the brick archways. Uh, we'll be joined by a few Hastings College international students and we'll be inviting the whole Hastings College campus to join us for worship. And we will take communion that day. And uh, so that is at 1030. So we'll have our Christian Ed Hour here at the church from 915 to 1015. And then the good news is the campus is only three minutes away. So people can walk out of their classes, get in their cars, drive down to the Hastings College campus and be there in time for our 1030 service over there. So that's, that's the plan, weather permitting. Uh, we'll probably make a call on Friday based on the forecast. Uh, if we have to move things inside, we will just do one combined worship service at 10.30 a.m. in our sanctuary instead of over on the Hastings College campus. So stay tuned to the weather forecast and stay tuned to uh, the church for what's going on. Mm -hmm. uh, what else do we have going on um, in terms of sort of adult enrichment opportunities? We have resumed the what I've been calling the Goodreads Book Club. And uh, we're inviting folks to read a novel by Marilyn Robinson. It's got, it's this one, it's called Home. Uh, it's set in the same universe as a novel that we read in summer 2020 called Gilead. And uh, we're doing a couple of different things. We have an open Zoom book club discussion group this coming Thursday at 6.30 in the evening and that anybody can hop in and join into. And then also we have three literature professors uh, in our congregation who are joining myself in an every other week conversation that we are recording and putting on YouTube about the book. And the first one of those should be up on our church's YouTube page. Uh, and if you go and check that out, you could also subscribe to our YouTube page and get our subscription number up to 41. We're up. We have 40 YouTube subscribers, Greg. How about that? Yeah. So that's fun. Uh, so we're doing that kind of now through the month of October. Um, so it's a, it's interesting. It's kind of a book. It's, it has to do with family. It has to do with forgiveness. Um, and it has to do with the ways that kind of the past uh, haunts us sometimes, I suppose. So at least in the first 50 pages, that's what it's about. Excellent. <laughs> uh, and anyone's welcome to join that. So we hope you, uh, you can join us for that. Um, yeah. Anything else we need to be aware of these days, Damon? Um, Wednesday night? Yeah, we've got an 80% chance of rain in the forecast for Wednesday night. And so uh, we're, uh, the session is, uh, emailing back and forth about our best ways to manage that. But we intend to hopefully still hold all of our in-person events on Wednesday night. We've been doing a number of those outdoors uh, for COVID precautions and, and we're gonna try to adapt and, and do them indoors uh, with uh, some safety measures in place. So stay tuned for that. We should know something by this afternoon and we'll, uh, we'll share with that. Um, probably means bringing our chancel choir rehearsal indoors into the sanctuary for those who feel safe and comfortable rehearsing indoors with masks on for chancel choir. Um, and same with our uh, our children's programming. So just stay tuned for that, and we'll uh, we'll update you accordingly. I think that's I think that's all we got. Sounds good. Shall I close us with a word of prayer? Please do. Okay.
Living and gracious God, thank you for your presence with us, which is with us in all times and in all places. Thank you, God, for, for offering us your word, for offering us your inspiration, for offering us both your nurture and your challenge. Uh, may we continue to grow in your ways. May we continue to remain faithful to your path. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. With all that said and done, until next time, toodaloo.